1: Hope everybody's doing good today. Today, I want to talk about the tough side of transitions. It's very, very difficult when we are looking to move someone into a community. And COVID has not played a small part in the mess of what visitations are. And not only that, but just the fact that everywhere we go, we still have to wear masks, That has not been lifted up. Anytime you're indoor, you have to wear a mask. You have to uh, participate with the rules. If you're in a situation where you're uh, maybe in a restaurant or something, once you get into the restaurant, you can take your mask off. But if you're in a community and you're visiting your loved one, you are not able to take a mask off while you are inside the community. The thing is, you still have to have your temperature taken. You still have to fill out some questionnaires in a lot of cases. I do that every time I come into the studio. It's not—nobody's picking on anybody. Nobody's making it rough for anybody except for um, the rules via the state. But they're not trying to make it rough on anybody. What they're trying to do is do their best to— make procedures and policies that keep everyone safe until we are out of the woods. And, you know, some places like Texas and other states have decided to lift all the rules and all of that. Um, Depending on where you are, maybe there are lighter regulations and rules around what we can do. But the fact of the matter is that in most cases, you're able now, finally, this happened in February and March, able to go into communities and see your loved ones. My heart really breaks and goes out to the people that that ended up having to put someone in a community last year in February or March and then spend an entire year without it being able to see them. They had to look through windows. They maybe had outdoor visits for a little while, and then those went away. If the person with the diagnosis took their mask off at any time the visit was over, I mean, we've just had all these r- hellacious rules and stringent things that have had to happen. There's no doubt about it. No matter how you slice it, the transition is difficult. It's always much more difficult on the family members than it is the person that has the diagnosis. Because once they get into a community, they rarely ask for family members anymore. They don't say, I want to go home, meaning the place that they just left. Um, When you come to visit, they will talk to you maybe a little bit and then want to go off and be with their new friends. They They, uh, as soon as you leave, they will say something like, my daughter or my son never comes to visit. My wife or husband never comes to visit. We see things like this all the time. So please, people, if you are, if you are going in and visiting your loved ones, this is how it works. You make an appointment, say one o'clock in the afternoon The communities, for the most part, have a computer system set up where you can pick your time slot and then you can go and visit and be on time because there is somebody right behind you wanting to visit their loved one. So, you know, leave a little early, be on time. Most of the communities were opening up visits to 45 minutes but families were abusing it and coming in when they want to and not wearing masks when they're in the communities and walking into common areas like um, the front rooms, the lobbies, the, the walk areas where, where people can commute around the building and so on and so forth. And that's not the way it works. The state rules say... You have to come in through an entrance that you're not in contact with other residents. Then you have to meet in a private room where you can visit alone. Now, in a lot of communities, they were allotting a dining area of some sort and not allowing you to go into rooms, and families wanted to go into rooms. Now that they're allowing families in the rooms, the families want to be every place else. People, come on! If we don't work together and do what we can to follow the rules, select your visitation time, be on time, stay for your forty-five minutes. What's going to happen is they're going to cut those times down, and uh, the states just pop in. The state uh, just pops in anytime they want. They don't have to call. They don't have to make an appointment. They just pop in and do an assessment. And if they find families in the communities walking around in the common areas, not wearing their mask, walking in the common areas anyway, not wearing a mask, they can shut down visits. The state has no problem saying there'll be no more visits. So if your community is one of them that is working with you, setting up those times and allowing you to come in and visit for specific times, um, then you please, 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 please follow the rules. Follow what they're doing. There are communities that still haven't opened up visitations. And I mean a vast majority. In the Denver metropolitan area, there are probably out of 700 I would bet there's at least 500 that still haven't opened the visitations yet. So for those of you who are able to get in, be happy about that. Be happy about it. Follow the rules and come when you're supposed to. You just cannot have wide open uh, schedules like I'll be there from 12 to 5 or I'll be there from 10 to 1 between those times. That's not how it works. So please, please, please don't, don't be unreasonable. Don't do things the way you want, or it will be very, very easy for the state to come back and say, we're going to close all visitation off. And I'm telling you, they'll do it in the snap of a finger. It's already difficult enough to have these transitions of moving your people. This is not a perfect world. I'm not mad at anybody. I'm just saying, please follow the rules. It's not difficult. So what are the rules? You must make an appointment on their website or by calling. When you make that appointment for a specific half hour or 45 minutes, whatever they're allowing, show up on time, enjoy your visit, and then leave. You must wear a mask in the community. You must get your temperature taken. You have to sign in. You can't just walk in and start walking around. And be with your loved one in the designated area that has been selected by the community via the size of the community and how they work together, okay? And don't be mad at the community. They're doing their best to open the doors and let you come in. They're doing what they think you need and what they feel that the residents need. So let's not blow it for everybody else. Let's not blow it for everybody else. (sighs) So transitions are tough. They are tough. When the person is physically deteriorating, when they are wandering, when they are a safety hazard to themselves and to others, sometimes we have to make decisions that are painful. Sometimes having stairs in a house, this happens a lot, people having stairs in a house and those stairs become a fall or a trip hazard We have to make decisions that go against what our heart wants to do. If you can look past what your need is, if you can look past the promise that you made that you'll never put somebody in a nursing home and what have you, then you can look to what is going to be best for that person and moving into a community, isn't, it isn't a death sentence. It should not be a death sentence. It should be having more socialization with other people and not having to try so hard to pretend like they don't have Alzheimer's or whatever the diagnosis is. It is having somebody watch their nutritional intake every day. It's you being able to get some sleep instead of worrying every time you hear them get up out of bed. And are they going down those stairs in the dark? Or are they wandering outside? It is activities that these folks can engage in. It's going outside and working in gardens. It's singing songs. It's listening and trying to figure out trivia questions. It is having theme days, like Mexican Day, where they have certain foods from different countries and different ethnic backgrounds and then discuss those things. It's art projects. It's, it's all that and more. It's walks around the neighborhood. These are good things. These are good things. And if you can let go and let the community do their job and get to know your person and understand who they are and find joy with that person, that should be the most important component every time. Are they healthy? Are they happy? Are they engaging in activities? Are they smiling more? Are they making friends? When they were at home, for the most part, it was about you as the caregiver, how exhausted you were, the time that it takes to care for somebody, the times when you try to feed them something and they're not hungry, And then that food goes bad or doesn't taste good, reheated, and you have to start again in a couple of hours and you make it and they still don't want it. And then they go in and find a candy bar and things like that. All the stuff that makes caregivers crazy. These are the things that are tiresome. For caregivers, some of the things that you worry about is them having accidents in their pants and on your sofas and chairs. And now you don't have to worry about that. You're not wiping the bottom of your mother or your father. You're not having to feed them on your own. When you go into a community where they are now in memory care, you get to be their loved one again. You come in and visit and enjoy your visit for a little while and then leave and come back the next day or the day after. That's the beauty of this. You get to sleep a little bit more. You get to relieve all the stress that you had. You get to not have to uh, be cleaning up poop in the shower or in the garbage can or anything like that. You're not having to be their activity director. You don't have to take three hours or the whole morning off of work anymore because you're taking them to a doctor appointment. Doctors can actually come into the communities and visit with them on their own. These are all good things. These are all good things. And it's things that we are looking at when we're in this transition process. So again, what is it that you're upset about. You're able now to go and have coffee or lunch with a friend. You're able to learn that new language you wanted to learn. You're able to go for walks with your dog or play with your cat. You're able to go get a massage if you want to. Go to the grocery store when you want to. Plan the meals that you want to instead of the meals that that fit with your person. You're not letting them down. You're not abandoning them when you move them into a community. You have so many more options open to you if you are willing to just kind of relax and let the process be as it may. Here's the thing. Don't Please don't get upset at those communities. Like I said, they didn't have any say in it in the first place when all the COVID came and they said, no, you can't come into the community anymore. Um, they didn't really have a say, for the most part, when um, the communities opened back up. They just didn't. All of this is being designated by the World Health Organization and all the local state entities that are doing their best to keep this virus from spreading and to keep everybody as healthy and as happy as they can possibly be. So if you're struggling right now and you've put your loved one in a community and you're, you're unhappy with being able to go to visit for a half an hour or 45 minutes, maybe once a day. I ask you, again, to think back to all the people who have had their loved one in a community for many years or put them in a community in the last year and have not been able to touch them, they haven't been able to kiss them, they haven't been able to do anything. And if you are lucky enough to be in a care community, your loved one's in a care community that is allowing visits, appreciate it. Appreciate it and work within their standards and their rules. Because if you don't, it's going to get shut down again for everybody. My heart seriously goes out to all of you. Maybe you think I don't understand. Maybe, you know, I need to walk a mile in your shoes. But here's the thing. It's not that tough. They're still going to be there the next day. They're still going to be able for you to go and visit, uh, hopefully. And nobody died here. Yeah, it's a long way to drive for some people. It's a short distance for other people. Look at the care your loved one is getting and um, know that if uh, they are in a task-centered care place, I would be worried about that. But if they're in a person-centered care place, you are the luckiest individual on the planet. You are the luckiest individual on the planet. So work with these communities and do your best to follow the rules. Again, be on time. This isn't hard. Know that there are lots of other families that want to come in and visit. And that is um, just a very difficult difficult thing to keep all of this straight until everybody come in and do what they need to do and enjoy. And the fact that you can walk in and hug your person, give them a kiss, sit down with them, hold their hand in a private setting is absolutely one of the most beautiful things. And I've been fighting for communities. You have no idea how over the last three months, I've been fighting for families to be able to get in and visit their loved ones. And um, finally got it done in some communities here in Denver. And am super grateful. And uh, some of it was at a cost to me because the communities were mad that I was pushing so hard. So, you know, certainly think about these things and do your best to play by the rules. Okay, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back.
2: Living and working with Alzheimer's and other dementias can often be challenging. Summit Resilience Training provides education, utilizing non-medical approaches for those who work with our friends affected by dementia. Believing families still need one-on-one assistance, we provide classes which help them understand the diseases affecting their loved ones, offering strategies and techniques for success with activities of daily living and working with confusing behaviors. We offer in-home assessments to clarify symptoms of dementia diseases and help families work together to find moments of joy while living with memory loss and impairment. Education programs instilling person-centered care philosophies are offered for professional caregivers working in communities and homes, which can be customized for their staff. Training is also available for first responders such as law enforcement, fire and EMT personnel. We are passionate that people with dementias such as Alzheimer's, Parkinson's and others are approached with compassion and understanding and those who work with them have all the tools they need for success. Call us at Summit Resilience Training, 303-420-6988 to schedule a class or in-home assessment. Visit our website at com for more information.
0: Welcome back to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz.
1: All right. So I'm talking today about transitions, transitions, from your home to possibly a care community. So I harped on the rules of of care communities from the start of today's program. I'm gonna switch gears a little bit and talk about what I think is really kind of a matter of survival for you. And what is your breaking point? What's the tough part of having your person at home? I hear, from the people that sit in my classes every day about some of the things that are really rough for them. Um, of course incontinence, like we talked about before, you can't get them to go to the bathroom and then you take them in and you sit them down and they won't go. And then you get up, get them up and five minutes later they go to the bathroom in their pants. These are tough things. Um, Some of the tough things are some of the the quirky things that happen finding keys in the freezer, walking in and smelling gas in the house because a gas stove was turned on and gas is filling up the air, Uh, doors left wide open and it rains. Uh, Dogs, you know, dogs can get in and out, Uh, wildlife can get in and out, those kinds of things are problems. What is your breaking point? Is it the person driving a car that scares you to death every time you get in with them, but they refuse to let you take the keys? Is it um, how many times they backed out of the driveway and hit another car or the mailbox or the basketball pole? What is it? What is the breaking point for you when your person is getting to be too much? Is it possibly, let's see, just not getting any sleep at night or they are getting up in the middle of the night and telling you that there are people in the house? Is it a psychosis? Is it kids running and playing? Is it puppy dogs and and kittens in the house that, that you can't see or the person wakes up and tells you that they're smelling smoke when there isn't any? Is it that person wandering? You get up in the middle of the night and they are nowhere to be found. You've searched the entire house. You've run out in your front yard, look in both directions, can't see them. You have no idea where they are. I just had a guy that was lost. He took the keys and took his car and was gonna go visit his sister in uh, Texas and did not take his cell phone, did not take his wallet, did not take his luggage. All he had was his keys and him. So we figured as soon as he ran out of gas, he'd call somebody or or alert somebody that, you know, he needed help. And I'm not sure how that story ended, but I can tell you when people are missing for 24 hours, we start looking at it as a recovery instead of, uh, a search for that person and that's never a good thing. What are some other things on your breaking point? What would cause you to say I need to start looking at communities? Are your nerves frazzled? Are you biting your nails? Are you unable to go take a shower because if you do that person might walk out of the room or um Do something that you don't want them to do, overfeeding the dog, Uh, forgetting to feed the dog or the cat, going out in the yard when it's snowing and they have no shoes or socks on. What is your breaking point? What is the thing that is going to be a matter of survival for you, right? Right? It's different for everybody. Different cultures will say, we're going to keep our loved one at home forever. It doesn't matter. I, uh, I will never put my mom in a nursing home. Um, our Hispanic friends are very much that way. They like to keep everything close to the vest. They don't want to uh, engage in other people helping them to a large degree. And we find... You know, that a lot of their caregivers are very, very, very overwhelmed and struggling. But they'll do it. They'll keep their loved one at home as long as they absolutely can. Um, You know, I think the Asian community does an excellent job of caring for their person at home, sometimes to a fault where they will not turn the care over to anybody. And to them, I say... God bless you, all of you. But here's the thing. If you do decide that you're tired, that you are worn out, that you can't get five minutes alone, that you are just absolutely physically and mentally exhausted, your friends have depleted to a place where you don't see them ever Um, You can't do anything for yourself. That could be a clear sign to start looking around uh, and seeing what's out there. The thing that I work with the most is people taking this too personally. I should have been able to care for my husband or wife. I should have been able to care for my mom or dad. And, you know, I think doctors would say that everybody has a bad day and that everybody does their best to, you know, complete the tasks of the day or the tasks at hand and do it as efficiently as you possibly can. But I know the doctors that I work with are amazed beyond belief at how far people will go for their own personal health and well-being to care for a person with late-stage Alzheimer's way after they maybe should have thrown the towel in. We have a very, very high percentage of caregivers who wait too long and have a stroke or a heart attack, or get diabetes, or have a fall down the stairs and they break something and the decision is made for them. And nobody wants that to happen. Nobody wants that to happen. But those kinds of things happen, you know? The thing is, try and look back At the fun times you had with that person. Try and spend some quiet time together. Um, Try to get yourself in their shoes. What do they actually need from you at this point? Do they need you to relinquish that care? Do they need you to have more rest and And care for yourself? Are they worried about you being sick? How many of you have had a person look at you and say, I never wanted to be a burden? Right? They never wanted to be a burden. And you want to bear with it. You want to bear with the whole idea of just caring for that person until you possibly can no longer do that. But sometimes... We can't figure out where that line is. Are you talking to your person? Are you telling them that maybe it's too much for you? Are you sharing your thoughts? Are you understanding about how lonely and incomplete their life is now Um, that they try so hard to say the right thing or do the right thing every single day and they see in your face that you're frustrated with them, that they're asking repetitive questions or their words don't make sense and they can see that and they can read that, do you talk to to them and ask them how they're feeling? Do you share with them your deepest, darkest feelings? I think you should try I think you should give it a shot, because I'm telling you, we have so much misunderstanding. We have so many worries about saying something to the person themselves, letting them know that you were spent and that you are done with the time frame of, of caring for them anymore. And that's really tough. And if you can't do it, maybe you can have somebody else do it. Maybe you can have a, um, family member or a professional go and interview the staff at a care community or at a respite place. Let somebody else maybe do the legwork. It'll cost you money if you do it that way, but that's okay. That's all right. You can, you can pay somebody to do it and then come back and give you their feelings on the top three places or four places. Um, you know, here's the thing. And last, this this last week, I dropped a, a podcast talking about how caregivers can care for themselves. And in the narrative that I printed on my um, release, I said, do you want to be a martyr? Do you want to be a martyr? Um, do you want everybody to pat you on the back and say you were the best caregiver ever? Are you... Are you trying to win some race? Are you trying to be competitive? Or are you really looking at what that person needs and get them the best care that they can have and then give yourself the best care you can give yourself? It there I, I understand that you will miss that person, that you feel sad that they are gone, that you have some trepidation about whether or not You did a good job uh, caring for them. But the bottom line is that you have to trust that you did and that you made a good decision and now start putting your life in some working order. Don't sit around crying every day. Make some plans to go visit them and then do something for yourself. Work a puzzle. Watch a Hallmark movie Call and check on them a couple times a day if you want to. Um, maybe find some things that you could bring in for them, uh, some adaptive clothing that would fit or a 25-piece puzzle or something like that. Call up a friend and chat for a while. Go take that ridiculously long shower that you've wanted for such a long time. It's, it's the thing to do? Because you have the time now. When you don't have to spend four hours getting ready for a doctor appointment and then getting the person in the car to drive and go to the appointment, what could you do with that time now um, that you didn't have before? Are you even willing to look at it? Are you willing to to just be happy and move on and, and you know, find a, a way to live your life and be happy. I understand it's sad and we, we are going through a grieving process. We are going through the grieving process. But you will get through it and they are still here. You still have the ability to go and see them or talk to them. Go down memory lane, spend some time that you would have spent caring for them during the day, looking through old photo albums, Um, maybe finding a way that you could record them the next time you see them on your phone so that you have a copy of their voice that you can keep forever and ever after they're gone. We don't think about those kinds of things often, but they're good for us to do. People, I know, I know that the transition is hard. Plan for it. Plan. Go to these communities. Uh, meet the staff. Find out what the rules are about visitation and all that kind of stuff. Look at all the plans that you need for that person. But also reach, research for yourself what you're going to do with your time. What new thing are you going to learn? Are you going to take a painting class? Are you going to start walking with a a group that likes to hike together? Are you going to go to happy hour with a friend? Your plan is as important as the person that you're moving into a memory unit. I I bet you 99% of you that have moved your loved one into a community did not make a plan for yourself. You did not decide what you were going to do with all that extra time that you have now. And what happens is we feel sad, we feel depressed, we want to cry, we question ourselves, did we do the right thing? Was I a good enough caregiver? Did I show them enough love? Could I have done better? Yes. If you made that decision to move the person, it was time. It was time. Stop kicking yourself. It was time. And we all just do the best that we can do. Don't take it personally. Don't be. Don't make it rough on yourself. Don't hate the staff because they're able to get him showered and cleaned and things like that when you weren't able to or for her. Um, be their advocate and make sure that their nails look clean and that they look well-rested and you know what their nutritional intake is and things like that. And now that's your job. Now your job is to check on those things, be an advocate for them, go in and visit them a couple of times a week, and be healthy yourself. Do you honestly think that person doesn't want you to be happy and healthy yourself? Show yourself as much care as you show them. And know that that first 30 to 60 days is going to be tough it's going to be difficult. You're going to miss them. We are in the grieving process. I did a whole show on that about two months ago. So go back on SummitResilienceTraining.com and look at my old podcast and put in what podcast talks about grieving and listen to that podcast. Because that's where you're at. That's what you're doing. And we need to get through it and we need to work through it. it. We have to go through it. We have to go through it, but we don't make, need to make it hell on everybody else while we're doing it, okay? So I love you all out there in my caregiver nation. Think these things through. Decide what you're going to do. Get back in the game. Have your grieving process. Have your pity party. Then get up and keep moving, And if you're thinking about doing the transition and moving somebody, I implore you to please, please, please make your own plan. What are you going to do? Fill your calendar up for the first 60 days. Take a train ride, go out to lunch, whatever it is you need to do to make sure that you're taking care of yourself because otherwise, you're going to drive the people at the care community crazy. (laughs) I love you all. I hope you have a good week and I will see you next week on Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz.
0: You've been listening to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. To learn more about her resources, services, classes, or to book speaking engagements, visit Jill's website at summitresiliencetraining.com. A new podcast drops every Tuesday, so join us as we learn more about dementias, resilience, and overcoming obstacles to find a positive outcome. Dementia Resilience with Joe Lorenz can be found on your favorite podcast provider. Please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. Musical and technical support provided by Brian Hunter. See you next week.